Thank you for joining us for another life-giving message from City Church Now in Progress. Well, we're in a series. You're in a series called, called what? It's called Squad Gold. Squad are the people that you hang out with, the people that you do life together with. And uh, so far, we've looked at uh, the, uh, the purpose of these squads, and we looked at the foundation of these squads, and today... We are going to look at how we fight in our, in our squads, squad squabbles. We're going to talk about fighting uh, because fighting is part of life. And, uh, you know, Pastor Ray talked about in the first week about Jesus picking his squad, his 12. And you know what? There are squads in our life that we pick. There are people in my, in my life that I have chosen to do life together, my friends, my family, my uh, community group. But there are squads that are chosen for us. When we go to work, we have a squad at work, and, uh, and we always don't like everybody at work. Now, we do the Christian thing. We say, I love you. I just don't really like you. And there are people at church that, that we are doing ministry with that we, if truth be told, sometimes... Toes get stepped on and we begin to fight. So today we're going to look at squad squabbles, but we are going to look at how to fight fair. All right, so when we talk about fighting and we talk about that, it, it brings up a special place in my heart. I have an affinity for karate movies. Anybody with me on the karate movies? I mean, I love karate movies. So I'm going to give you a top five, uh, my all-time top five either movies or genres or, or something like that. I couldn't narrow it down to, to five. So I got my man Patrick's going to help me out with my drum roll. All right, so before we get started, the honorable mention was the Kill Bill series was the honorable mention, but I didn't think I could say Kill Bill in church. So he Kill Bill didn't make the cut. And the Matrix, the Matrix, they get an honorable mention too, so with their karate thing. All right, number five. John Wick series. Now, I don't know if you're a John Wick. Love the John Wick. John Wick 1, 2. They're coming out with Chapter 3. They're about to uh, do a TV movie called The Continental as well, a TV series. And so really love that. They're, they're fighting scenes. Love that. All right, number four. All right, this is, this is a uh, superhero movie, but the fighting in it was great. And you have to mention any... Any superhero movie that makes $1.3 billion, you know what I'm talking about. Black Panther, Wakanda forever, right? Even the worship guy had a Wakanda. He has a Wakanda outfit on. He was ready. He was ready for that. All right, number three. Number three is a shout-out to the 90s. I love Jackie Chan. Uh, Steven Seagal, Jean-Claude Van Damme, who's making his return in, com in chip commercials now. But I uh, love all of that. Love everything Jackie Chan uh, has done except for the Karate Kid remake. Didn't like that. Because we grew up with what? Wax on, wax off. They hang up the jacket. No, that didn't work. That didn't work for me. All right. Number two, number two. Now, this was all the old school movies. When I grew up, there was something on Saturday afternoon, chap, uh, Channel 11, called Hong Kong Theater. And see, God knew, the Holy Spirit knew, see, when the welcome came on and the lips didn't match the words with Pastor Ray, 
that was a shout out to the old movies where, hmm, hey, you want to fight? You know, just the old, old school. So those, I know you like, you're going to feel me right here. Um, you got the five deadly venoms. You got drunken master, one and two, the seven samurai, the 36th chamber of Shaolin. Those are the old, old, old school. And number one fighting of all time, Bruce Lee. Anything Bruce Lee. When you think karate movies, you think who? Bruce Lee entered the Dragon Fist of Fury game of death. The art of fighting without fighting. That's Bruce Lee. And so uh, if you don't know who that is, shame on you. And you have some homework today. This afternoon you have to go watch uh, Enter the Dragon. All right? That is uh, my top five list. And why am I doing that? Because Kung Fu is a form of martial arts that is meant to disarm, disfuse, or deflect a physical attack. So today in our Squad Go series, when we talk about squad squabbles, I want to talk about Tung Fu. In the same way Kung Fu is defensive and meant to diffuse, disarm, or deflect a physical attack, Tung Fu is going to uh, disarm, diffuse, and deflect spiritual attacks that come into our life. Are you with me today? All right, because we fight all the time. Fighting is not necessarily a bad thing. It's fighting fair. So we're going to look at that. Why the tongue? Because the tongue is mentioned over 150 times in the Bible. This thing in our mouth, so small, yet so large, it's uh, 55 times alone in Psalms and Proverbs. In speech, it talks about speech in 50 time, over 50 times in the New Testament. And the word words, our words in our life and our, and our uh, relationships are mentioned over 550 times in the Bible. So as you can see, this thing, this, this thing in our mouth called the tongue is really important. Why? James says it's, it's this small bit in the mouth of a horse. It's so small, yet it directs the horse. This small rudder at the back of the Titanic, maybe not the best example to use because the Titanic went down, but that small rudder directs the ship left and right. He also goes, James also says this small little match, this small little spark can set a whole forest on fire. That's what he compares this thing in our lives. Psalms 120 says this tongue is deceitful. Proverbs 18 says death and life are in the power of our tongue. What else? Today, tongue is more specifically the tongue in the midst of conflicts or fights. Now, listen, we are really, really good at conflicts in our life. So if you could come up, let me show you something real quick. We're going to give you a little example about conflicts in our life. All right, so we're really good at conflicts. So you and you're married? All right, so you guys have this fight. All right, so this is what y'all are fighting over, right? And so we'll say, what's the most important thing we fight over as couples? Of course, the toilet paper, whether it comes over or under. Where are my over people? Raise your hand. And where are my under people? And then where are the, I don't care as long, as long as I can grab it. I don't care if it's on the flip. If I can get it with my, I don't care where it is, right? So y'all are fighting about this. And so she says, 
it needs to go over. And you say, well, it, I like it under. And she says, well, I like it over. And she said, well, I said it's going to be over. And you said, well, you messing around with me with this toilet paper. What about all your personal items that are all over here? Well, what about you? You don't even back the car in right. You, hey, and then y'all take it to another level. You're just like your mother. Oh, no, you didn't talk about my mother. Oh, yes, I did talk about your mother. I'm going to talk about your father, too, because he is no good either. And you start talking about all this stuff, and you start fighting over and over. And then, and then it, the words get where I can't even say them. They get the bleeps and the beep and the, and then, and then, and then possibly even physical. And then it ends, right? Or the police come, one or the other, right? <laughs> Then the next day comes, and he's a godly man. He's got so he he says, "Baby, I'm sorry about the toilet paper. However you want the toilet paper, you got it. I'm gonna buy it at the store. Make sure that it's over the top at the store. I got you. And then y'all move on. But guess what? Y'all didn't deal with all of the other stuff that came out in con because we're really good in conflict." But we're really bad in resolution. So he goes to his seat with all that stuff. The next time they fight, what's he bringing to the table? All that stuff. All right, so we're going to look at... <laughs> you can put it down. Don't bring it to your next fight, all right? So we're going to look in, uh, we're going to look in uh, the book of Proverbs. So if you have your Bible, open to Proverbs chapter 15. And we're going to look at squad squabbles. And we're going to look at Tung Fu, principles for fighting fair. See, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, 26, be angry. The anger is an emotion. And God has given us all the emotions. So there's nothing wrong with anger. It's what you do with your angry the Bible says, be angry yet do not sin. So what I do in that anger really matters to God. Jesus got angry. It said that he got into the temple. He didn't go over to the money changers and say, excuse me, sir, could you please move the table outside of the temple? No, the Bible says he tumped it over and he's like, y'all brew the vipers, y'all are in my father's house. He didn't go over to the guy selling the doves and the guy selling the, the oxen for these inflated the goats and say, could you take the goats outside the temple? No, he rushed them out. He was angry, yet we know that he was without sin. So we can be angry. You're going to be angry in your squads. You're going to be angry in your marriages, with your coworkers, with your friends, with your neighbors. All of those people, you're going to be angry with at times. But the Bible says, do not sin. We must fight fair. It's not about fighting. It's about fighting fair. So let's just jump into to, uh, Proverbs chapter 15, and we're going to jump right in. Angie, do you have my time? Is my time going to be up here when it's, it's time to go? No, when, it's, when i got to wrap it. All right, so just start waving at me when I need to wrap it up. All right, so we'll see how many I have, about six or seven of these. We'll see how many we can go, and uh, we'll just go from there. So the first thing we need to do uh, is read. 15.1, it says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The first thing I want to talk about is starting smart. You have to start smart. Say start smart. 
How you start the conflict is going to make a big, big difference. Start smart. The start of the conflict sets the t- example or the tone for the rest of the conflict. I'm a runner, and I love to run, and I can run about a seven-and-a-half-minute-mile. Well, I work out with some guys doing CrossFit. They're about six-minute-mile, six-and-a-half-minute-mile. So when we have to, to, to do a mile run in our workout, if I try to keep up with them, I'll be, I'll be doing good for that first quarter mile. But I'm going to start to drop off. And then I will have a slower mile than I'm used to because I started too fast. How we start really, really matters. Proverbs 16, 14, 16 says, A wise man is cautious and what turns away from evil. But a fool is arrogant and rushes and careless and rushes straight towards that. Uh... Proverbs 29, 22 says, an angry man stirs up strife and a hot-tempered man abounds in aggression. When you begin to stir up, all right, so let's just say these two waters had a fight, right? These two waters had a fight. And they were arguing about, they're, they're in the squad together, the water squad, and they began to fight over, this one is talking about the other one doesn't even have a label. And they say, well, you don't even have a label. And the other one said, label, it's not like you, Dazani or, or Ozarka, you Walmart water. It's not, and, they, and they began to go, but I don't even, you could be tap water. And they began to squabble back and forth. And what's happening? Everything that is inside, everything we bring to the squabble now, that, that pure water now got stirred up. Everything that was inside of us when we began to fight began to stir it up. So it's never about that thing. It's always about all that stuff. And that's what that starting smart is all about. It's about realizing how I jump into this conflict is going to determine what, what gets stirred up in here. Now, I don't know if I want to drink that right there. And I don't know if the Lord wants to drink the offering of our lives when we begin to fight and all of this stuff. Get stirred up. Are you with me? Start smart. Say start smart. Number two, verse two says, The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable, but the mouth of fools spouts folly. Speak the truth. Speak the truth. Now, let me give you a little insight of what speak. Lean up on your chair. Speak the truth means. You ready for this? It means don't lie. It means don't lie. Tell the truth. Look at somebody say, tell the truth. We, we fight and we get in more trouble because we lie. Okay, I can't say, we, I lie. I'm a liar. I can't talk about you. I, wise is acceptable words. Fools spout or gush folly or lies or untruth or, here's where it hits me, half-truths. Half-truths are lies. Whoo, I know. My wife tells me that all the time. Why? Because I have gray areas says speak the truth. We get in more trouble in our squad squabbles when we lie, when we embellish, when we stretch the truth a little bit. But if we speak the truth, no gray areas. Matthew 5, 37 says, let your yes be and let your no be. 
Thanks, Ma. I appreciate that. Let your yes be yes. There's no maybe gray in there. Now, I get in trouble all the time with my wife about my gray areas. So I'll be on the phone, and we're talking about heading over to somebody's house, and we're driving there, and and they say, well, where are you? I said, I'll be there in about 20 minutes. I'm on the highway. Now, I can see the highway. Now, I'm not on the highway because the guy's not going to know the little Boundbrook Street or whatever it is I'm passing. So I just gave him the where I'm on the highway. And she says, we're not on the highway. I said, I can see the highway right there. She said, I can see it too, but that doesn't mean that we're on it. Whew, gray areas. Are you with me, guys? Gray area. So my wife will tell me, my wife will tell me, I'm, I'm watching the sports game, and of course, I want to be a good husband in my squad. Yeah, and I pause it. Yes, ma'am, what do you need? Can you take the stuff that's in the washer when it stops and put it in the dryer? I, I, I got it. And now before she leaves, she wants to tell me that about 16 times. So about number 16, I got it, I got it, I got stuff in the washer to dry, I got it. And she leaves, I, I push play, and I'm watching my game. Well, she calls, and as soon as I see her picture on there, I already know what that means, and I didn't put this stuff. So I'm running to the washer to put it in the dryer, and she's like, did you do it? And I'm like, of course I did. But am I telling the truth? I am lying. The other thing is, speak the truth, is we sometimes wield the truth like this brick. I'm going to keep it 100. I'm going to give you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And we begin to hit people with the truth. And the Bible says, speak the truth, but speak the truth in Love, Ephesians 4.15. So what we want to do is you want to speak the truth. You have to give somebody a brick. There are ways I could give him a brick. I could, I could give it to him hard and truth. Or I could bubble wrap the brick. I could bubble wrap the brick and slide the brick over to him. So he still got the truth, right? But I didn't just knock him over the head with the truth. I wrapped the truth in love. I wrapped my speech in grace. I wrapped my speech for my squad member, whether I chose the member or not, and slid it over to him. He still got the truth, but I spoke the truth in love. Start smart. We need to speak the truth. Well, we also need to stay in your own lane. Say, stay in your own lane. All right, verse 3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place watching the evil and the good. The eyes of the Lord. Concentrate on you. God is going to hold us accountable for us. So can I get you up here? So I got a lane here. I got some lanes. This is We're going to run a race. We're going to run all the way over there. So that's your lane. That's my lane. All right, so in track and field, you got to get down in your starting position. Now, when I had to run track, they didn't let me run this race. So my race, you start like this. This is what my race. So your race, they probably gave you a distance, 100, 200. My race, my people, they, 
or you're going to run cross country. I don't even know how far I'm running in my race. Just run till you see the finish line. You're good. But for the sake, we're going to be in this. We're going to get down. We're going to run. Now, he's got to stay in his lane. I got to stay in my lane. Why? Because the referee, the official is watching us. And if we begin to race, if I'm over here tugging him in his lane, I'm going to get penalized from that. But that's what we do when we fight in our squads. That's what we do in our wife. When you tell me I have a problem, instead of receiving the problem you have, you know what, Casey, you talk too loud sometimes. Well, and I would say, yeah, but at least I can match my shoes with my socks or something. And so we begin to, I begin to go, instead of taking the truth that I need to sometimes lower my voice, I am going to then lash out and get into his lane. But I need to stay in my own lane. I need to address that. Thank you. What my wife and I early on in, in marriage, we began to do that. So she, she, I would tell her something, and then she would say, well, what, you do this. I said, you know what? Time out. That's true. Let's deal with this first. And then if you have a problem you need to talk to me, let's do that. Let's, let's keep the main thing, the main thing, stay in our own lane. My church has a saying. It says, draw a circle around yourself and fix everything in the circle. Whenever I did uh, couples counseling, I would give them talk. We would go outside and I would say, draw a circle around yourself. Because in conflicts, we want to point out what they're doing rather than talk about what we're doing, what we need to address. I can't change my wife. I can't change my coworkers. I can't change anybody I'm in the squad with. But I can change what's inside of the circle. That's me. And so stay in your own lane. Say stay in your own lane. We need to stay in our own lane. God sees it all. Number four, solutions, not problems. Say solutions, not problems. Verse four says, a soothing tongue is a tree of life. Oh, I don't want to drink that one. Woo-wee. A soothing tongue is a tree of life, but perversion in it crushes the spirit. We want to look at solutions. The glass is half full, not half empty. You know some people in your life that are always going to look at the negative part. They're always going to look at what we can't do or what the problem is rather than the solution. A soothing tongue is soothing is, is a relief. It brings relief to what's happening. But a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. It just crushes you. All right, Proverbs 16, 24 says, Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. We want to focus on solutions, not problems. So I'm going to give you three. There's not on, on, the, on the board. There are three questions I'm going to give you that's going to save you in any squad squabble, in your marriage, in your friendship, in your three questions. Here's what you want to ask yourself. When you're hearing them talk, you want to ask yourself three questions. What are they saying? Question number two, what do they mean? And question number three, what do I need to do? What are they saying? What do they mean? And what do I need to do? So if my wife says, you don't even bring me flowers, 
Now, what am I going to do? I'm immediately going to, I'm going to go in my Rolodex of my brain and think about every time I ever bought her flowers in my life. What do you mean I don't give you flowers? I bought you flowers on our first anniversary. I bought you flowers in, in 2001 on Valentine's Day. I'm, I'm going to go get receipts to show you. See, there's the florist receipt right there. What is, she, what is she saying? Number two is what? What does she mean? She's not meaning you don't buy me flowers. What she's ever, what she's saying is, I would like flowers from you. That's what she's meaning. And then number three is, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? Go buy some flowers, you big dummy. Go get the woman some flowers. So if we begin to take these into our squad squabbles, I'm telling you, and we're focused on solutions, not problems. We're not going back and forth. Oh, you hit me a good one there. Now I got to give you a good one there. And I'm going to give you a good one. And we're going back and forth. And back and forth, that just gets the police called or the boss called. or That's, that's not good. Back and forth is not good. We want to focus on solutions, not problems. So what I do with 1 Corinthians 13, here's what I will often do. I'll take this verse, and we're going to put it up here. We're gonna, I take this verse, and, and I was challenged to do this, and I, I keep a Bible in my bathroom. And what I'll do is, here's what I'll do. I'll read 1 Corinthians 13, and I'll put my name. 1 Corinthians 13 is the love is the love passage, right? So I put my name everywhere where it says love. So I say, I go into the bathroom, my wife, woo, I go in the bathroom, and I say, KC is patient. I say it out loud. KC is patient. KC is kind. KC is not jealous. KC does not brag and is not arrogant. See, I'm already laughing because I'm already disqualified. <laughs> like three words into this, I'm already in my circle. That's in my circle, right? Uh, KC does not take into account a wrong suffer. Ooh, ah. KC does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but KC rejoices with the truth. KC bears all things. Ouch. KC believes all things. KC hopes all things. KC endures all things. And the last part of the next verse says, love never fails. KC never fails. When I start to read that, I can come out now. I can come out of the bathroom and begin to get in my circle. Ask the questions. What do I need to do and you need to move forward? My wife is like, why is he going to the bathroom so much? You might need to go to the doctor or something. No, I mean, I got the doctor, Dr. Jesus, and he hooks my soul up when I have to get a little refresher and go back because I, I want to fight fair. I want to honor my wife in that. Number five, stay teachable or humble. How are we doing on time? We good on time? Uh, I want to stay teachable or humble. Verse five says, a fool rejects his father's discipline, but he who regards reproof is sensible. Stay teachable. I need to own my own issues. What do I own in this? What's my part? What can I do better. Proverbs 12, 1, when I was a youth pastor, I used to love to say this verse to kids because that was the only time I could say stupid to them. I could call them stupid, but it really wasn't me calling them stupid. It was the Bible. And <laughs> I know I was a bad youth pastor. And it says, whoever loves discipline, whoever loves discipline, loves knowledge. But he who hates reproof is stupid. 
You're stupid. People are telling you what to do. And then, but now my wife is telling me, my, my life group is telling me, my coworkers are telling me. If I love, I need to stay teachable. I need to stay humble. So here's what we do. Here's a pie chart. And here's what happens in our life. We're in this squad, and they're telling us everything in the green is, is my issues. I got a lot of issues. So my wife is telling me all the stuff in the green, yet she mentions some orange stuff. Now, the orange stuff is not true. It's not true at all. So do I own the green? No. I focus on the orange, and I go to tell her why she's wrong because all that orange is not true. What you're saying is not true. Here's an email. Here's a picture. Here's, here's, I got exhibit A, B, C, and D, but I'm, not, I'm ignoring all of the green stuff that they said that is true. Own your issues. Stay teachable. Stay humble. What is my part? What do I own on this? So what happens is, what I want to do, I want to tell my wife about her issues. And I got the little speck in her eye. So I'm telling her all about this. But at the same time, I got this tree trunk coming out my face. And I'm going to tell her about her toothpick. I'm going to tell her about her. I'm going to tell my coworker. I'm going to tell my friend about their toothpick. I mean, it doesn't even look right. I got <laughs> you need to work on your issues. But you got a tree growing out of your face. What about that? You know, what about that? I need to own my own issues. I need to stay teachable and humble and worry about why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and you have a log coming out of your face? Number six, say only edifying words. Verse 7 says, the lips of the wise spread knowledge, but the hearts of the fool are not so. Knowledge equals wisdom. Wise lips spread wisdom. Foolish lips spread foolishness. Wise lips spread wisdom. I want to spread wisdom, not foolishness. It says in the back of that verse, but the hearts of the fools are not so. Why? Because whatever is on the inside is going to come out. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart with all due diligence because the springs and the wells of life flow from it. What's, whatever's on the inside, when it's squeezed, it's going to come out. So when you're in an argument and a cuss word flies out of your mouth, it's in your heart. It was inside. That When it was squeezed, it came out. If I squeeze this water bottle, water's going to come out. If I squeeze a milk carton, milk is going to come out. If I squeeze an orange juice carton, orange juice, whatever's on the inside is going to come out. We need to guard our heart. My, my stepfather used to... He loved to say, here's what he would say, and I know y'all with me. Boy, why don't you think before you act? And I'm sitting there, oh, no, I don't know. I thought I was thinking. So I'm going to give you that. This is not new. This is not something I made up, but the THINK acronym. And so write this down, THINK acronym. So before you speak, my 
father was telling me, before you speak, act, do something, think. T, is it true? Is what I'm saying true? H, is it helpful? Is this going to help this situation or is it going to harm it? Is it inspiring? Is it going to lift them up or tear them down? Is it necessary and is it kind? We like to get in squabbles. I always shudder when newlyweds and people in that first, who's married two years or less? Anybody married two years or less? That's with the foundation years. Those are really important. So those things, when you, how you even kid with each other, how you kid with each other and how you start the foundation of how you're going to fight is really, really, really important. You might be joking, but you're saying things that aren't kind. They're not inspiring. They don't need to be said. So shut up. All right. Say only edifying words. Ephesians 4.29. Let no unwholesome word come out of my mouth, but only such a word which is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that I will give grace to the hearer. Are my words are my words giving grace or are they tearing down? And last but not least, number seven, surrender spiritually. Say surrender spiritually. Verses eight and nine says, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but a prayer of the upright is his delight. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he who but he loves one. He, God, loves one who pursues righteousness. God cares about our heart. God cares about what's inside. Luke 6, 45 says that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, way back in the first week of squad goals, Pastor Ray was talking about Jesus chose his 12. That's the same chapter in Luke. Chapter 6 is the same chapter that talks about that. And in that same chapter, a little ways down in verse 45, it talks about what's in your heart is going to come out in your conversation. So we need to surrender spiritually. The usher is going to come by right now, and they're going to give everybody. There's a universal sign for surrender. What is that? The white flag. And you know what? There's no shame in, in, in surrendering in a fight. It's, 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 it's okay to surrender. See, what I did early on in my marriage, I'm a, I'm a competitor. Like, it doesn't matter what I'm going to do. I'm going to compete. It, it doesn't matter. If, we, if, we, if we're talking about dress, if we're talking about athletics, if, we, if we're talking about my brothers and I taking our socks and putting them away, we would line up our socks here and we'd put them in, open up the drawer and we're, it doesn't matter. I'm going to compete my whole life. I'm trying to win. But in my marriage, so if I win, my brother, what? He loses. So I took that into my marriage and I want to, every argument, I want to win. Every fight, I want to win. Every situation, I want to, I want to win. But if I win my wife and if she loses, I lose. Let me say that again. If I win, my wife loses. If I win, my coworker loses. If I win, my best friend loses. And if I, if they lose, I lose. We all know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him 
should not perish but but have everlasting life. But verse 3.17 says that God did not send the world, the son to judge the world, but the world may be reconciled through him. My goal, our goal in our squad squabbles is reconciliation. Can you say reconciliation? It's not about winning. It's about being one. Jesus, Jesus had every right to say, I'm sinless, you've jacked up, I win, you lose, bam, have fun in hell. He could have done that, but he didn't do that. He sent his son in I when we were foul. God demonstrates his love towards us that while we're still sinners, we're still his enemy. We're still doing the very thing that separates us from him. His son died for us. And if I'm supposed to be Jesus in my marriage, then I have to do that. And if I'm supposed to be Jesus to my relationships, to the world, salt and light, then I have to do that. We need to start surrendering spiritually. I'm going to see how this works with a, with a mic in my hand. But this balloon represents us. What I want to do is I want to close with every word that's spoken fills, goes inside of us. You know, when you're growing up, you're dumb, you're stupid, you're never amount to anything. You're not like your, why can't you be more like your brother? I heard that one. Why? And that was the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. You're fat. You're ugly. You're not attractive to me anymore. Words and words and words keep being poured into our life. Getting lightheaded. You're getting lightheaded. I need some help. <laughs> and we got relationships popping all over the place. Teen suicides are all high, all time high. Kids are going into uh, schools with automatic weapons, and people are popping all over. The divorce rate in the church looks the same as the world, less than 50%. So when the world looks at us, they see marriages popping all. Why do I want Jesus? Your marriage failed just like my marriage failed. Why do I need him? I can fail. I can be bad all by myself. I don't need Jesus. And he's not doing you any good in your relationship. I see you smoking in the break. I see you cuss. You're out in the clubs with us. Popping up. All over the place. I'm done. What I want us to do is hold our flags in your hand. And I want you to look at that white flag. And I want you to think about a relationship right now. I want you to think about a squad squabble. It could be with somebody you work with. or you're, Somebody sitting next to you. It could be anybody that you're in relationship with right now. And I want you to think, 
Can you surrender spiritually? Is there something you need to make up? Is there somebody I'm not talking to anymore because of that blow up? That I let it go all crazy and I didn't deal with it. And I want you to look at the flag and I want you to think about it. That person might be in the auditorium today sitting on the other side. Because we don't even sit on the same side in the same church anymore. It could be somebody sitting next to you. It could be a spouse, a, a teenager, one of your children. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, in a minute, I'm going to say, let's pray. I'm going to bow our heads. And what I want you to do, see, what happens when we hear a sermon like this, we say, you know what, I need to address that. And then the announcements go, and then somebody said, where are you eating? Well, hey, let's eat over here. And then the conviction of the Holy Spirit, psh, and then we go about our day. And you know what? God had my heart at that surrender spiritually, but the the, the hustle and bustle of the day sucked it right out. So when I am about to say, let's pray, I want you, if you have a relationship you need to address, somebody you need to call, somebody you need to text, somebody in the auditorium you need to go talk to, we're going to bow our heads. I'm going to ask you to slip out, go out right when I say, let's pray. Get up and go. Handle it right now. Let's not wait. Let's not give the, opportunity, the devil opportunity to snatch that right out of our hearts because that's what he wants. But God has got your heart right now and saying, you know what, I need to make it right. Some of us need to make several texts, several calls. We just need to do it. Sit out there and let's knock them out and let, let us surrender spiritually. Let us not give the devil a foothold in our squads any longer. Does that make sense? All right. So let's bow our heads. If you need to go, make a call, make a text. If somebody's sitting next to you, you need to go address it. Say, can I go talk to you? Go ahead and slide out right now. If you're sitting here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ, you've never surrendered yourself spiritually, I'm going to ask that you slide out. There's some people right at the doorway that are going to take you out. If, if you want to go, do it right now. Let's bow our heads. If you need to go move, go do that. Make a text, make a call, and make it right. Lord, we just want to come before you right now. We just want to ask for forgiveness. I want to ask forgiveness. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more details about City Church and for other resources, visit us online at www.citychurchtv.com or contact us via email at info at If you were encouraged or inspired by today's message, we ask that you prayerfully consider partnering with us financially, either in a one-time gift or as a monthly partner. No gift is too small. We have three convenient ways for you to give. Via our website at citychurchtv.com backslash give. Via text, text citychurchtv and the amount that you would like to give to 77977. By mail, mail your check or money order to City Church Global Ministries, 8105 Razor Boulevard, Box 90, Plano, Texas, 75024. Once again, thank you for downloading today's message. We look forward to connecting with you soon.